Welcome to the Pete the Planner Show. Hello, everybody. Uh, yeah, one minute late. One minute late for someone who hates being late. Why? Because I was showing today's special guest a little secret file that's exciting to us. Damien Dunn does not join us today. He is on vacation. Every once in a while, we give people time off to do things. So in his stead, uh, we have the one and only Kristen Alanius joining us from Your Money Line team. Kristen, uh, back by popular demand. People love uh, you. You used to be the queen of the desert. You have moved from the desert. We're trying to find a new name for you. We will take all uh, recommendations and ideas for that in the chat box. Welcome to the show, Kristen. Hello. I'm so glad to be back. It's been so long. Uh, yeah. So Jameson says hello from Texas and you are yes. in Texas. So did you yes. feel like the Texas spirit happened right there? Absolutely. I, I use y'all frequently now. I absolutely, my vernacular is totally different. Well, that is really, really good to hear. All right. So uh, Kristen, here is what's on the show today. Of course, you are a, a senior financial concierge at Your Money Line and Hey Money. Uh, I was doing something with uh, people's uh, job titles the other day, and I realized that you are a senior uh, financial concierge. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Lee says he likes what Damien did with his hair. <laughs> so, <laughs> seen, uh, yeah. Um, and so uh, today on the show, uh, Kristen, we were talking about uh, someone emailed me and said that they've recently tried to separate from their adult son in terms of finances, but the adult son says it's impossible to find a job right now. So you and I are going to weigh in on that. Well, good day, Jeremy. Hello. Uh, segment two, uh, are colleges purposefully running up the tab on parents as it relates to parent plus loans? There was a article in the, I believe it was the wall street journal. No one knows for okay. sure, uh, about the said topic. And so we're going to explore that. And then, uh, we may do an investing while in debt, uh, situation. So Kristen, before we get started here, how long has it been since you've been on the show? So I actually looked back last night because I was afraid you were going to ask me. I haven't been on the show since July of last year. Of 20? Yeah. Wait, it's been over a year? It's been over a year. What's been going on? (laughs) Well, I moved twice. Yeah, that's true. So there's that. Okay, Kristen, and you're coming back to Indy for Reunion, our annual convention, formerly known as PeterCon. We've rebranded it to Reunion for, you know, all sorts of purposes. We still call it Peter Kahn around the offices, but we say I, it's really I like Peter Kahn. Yeah. I know. It's a little self-indulgent, but you know, it's Peter Kahn was a good time. All right. Um, let's get started. Do you have a clock ready to set? Our first segment yes. is nine minutes and 22 seconds. Yes. Right. Okay. Well, here we go. Um, what are we talking about? Um, oh, I got to get that email ready. This is what happens. I don't get things ready. You're familiar with the show. Here we go. This is a long question. This could be (laughs) so long. uh, You know, I don't know. Here we go. In three, two, one. This week on the Pete the Planner Show, we answer your money questions. Here's how the show works. You email us, askpete at petetheplanner.com. That's askpete at petetheplanner.com. And here's what might happen. We might answer your uh, question here on this syndicated radio show. We may answer your question in a newspaper column, or we may just ignore it and it will sit there in a lonely crevasse. Joining me as not so often is Kristen Alanius, senior financial concierge at Your Money Line and Hey Money, sitting in for Damien Dunn uh, this week. Hello, Kristen. Hello, hello. People will uh, remember you uh, who've listened to the show for a long time as queen of the desert. You have since moved on from Yuma, Arizona. Correct. So you are queen of Texas. You know what? That's that's it's a lot of pressure, but I think I that can is. handle it. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for being here. Uh, by the way, so Kristen's a, a beloved member of our team. Uh, all of our people who uh, she serves on a regular basis love her very much. So, in fact, uh, I was just looking through some comments that came in overnight, and I'm going to read one that just came oh, in no. overnight. This was uh, when was this? A uh, 9.57, which tells you what time I go to bed. Uh, Kristen was caring and supportive, showed us a path forward out of some financial frustration and made sure we had resources for steps along the way. We're excited to continue working with her on short and longer term goals. Do you ever get sick of hearing how great you are? No. <laughs> okay, perfect. It's a little self-indulgent, but that's okay. All right. So I have a really, really, really long email that came in and I don't think I should read the whole thing because it's really long, but let me summarize 
I wrote a column several years ago in the uh, USA Today, and it was about uh, parents and adult children separating their finances, like giving uh, recent graduates a timeline of when they should consider moving out and being fully financially independent. And so uh, this family did that. It caused some conflict, as uh, is understandable. And so the the bigger issue is this. And here's the question in the email, uh, Kristen. My question is, recognizing that you wrote that article several years ago before the pandemic, would your advice change any because of it now? And instead of immediately cutting an adult child off financially because of an argument, would it have been better for my husband to give our son a six-month deadline? Instead, my husband thinks that our son at age 27 needs a lesson in tough love right now. So my husband is not really struggling with cutting off my son financially. And he believes this is just what needs to grow up and get a taste of the real world. My son feels that it's a tough time to find a job right now. I, I, I have uh, summarized the email. It is from a lady uh, uh, from North Carolina. Kristen, a lot going on. Obviously, we don't know the whole story, but let's start with the phrase, is it hard for someone to find a job right now? I really want to give the son the benefit of the doubt, but from what we see and from what I hear from my peers or my friends or people I know or people we work with, it doesn't seem to be difficult. Maybe not the job he wants, But a job, I don't know that I agree that it's hard. I would agree with uh, that, right? So there's this idea that it's pretty easy at this point to find a $15 to $16 an hour job, which is going to pay you about $30,000 a year. And I'm talking, uh, by the way, respectfully, I'm talking very lowest hanging fruit. Uh, Is it hard? Yeah. Is it manual labor? Sometimes. Uh, But one of the silver linings of this period of time, if there are two, I believe these to be the two of COVID-19, Kristen. I believe, number one, uh, I believe that wages are going to go up, which I think is fantastic. I think you're going to see minimum wage hit that $15 an hour range, which is great. And the second one, of course, is not related to this, but still very important. I think the focus on people's mental health uh, will... um, persist, right? People will be able to talk about not being okay. And I think that's a very healthy thing. Kristen, you know, uh, the relationships between uh, parents and uh, their adult children can often be difficult. When you talk to people uh, that call us, do you sort of have a rule of thumb that you walk through? Do you like a a timeline of, of having people become financially independent? And has that been affected by the pandemic? So yes and no, it kind of depends on how we got here if the child is really trying and they can't make ends meet let's figure out a way to progressively stand them on their own two feet but in this case which we didn't get to hear all the details in the email but you and i know that the son isn't putting forth it doesn't seem anyway that he's putting forth a lot of effort so i don't necessarily think this six month extension timeline that we're talking about benefits anyone because it seems like he already knows that he should be standing on his own two feet. He's just not. So, yeah, there's some additional context that is uh, certainly worth noting. Uh, He has over $18,000 saved from jobs that he has worked while living at home and is very cautious about spending any of his money. So that's a financial lesson he has absorbed. Like us, he also has zero debt. And unlike a lot of college graduates, has no student loans since he got a full scholarship to college unless he finds a job soon, he'll be forced to spend his savings, which he hates doing. So with that additional context, you've got a guy that is, I mean, very stable financially, no debt. And since he has no job to say he's got three months expenses is absurd. He's got infinite number of months of expenses because he has no expenses. He got, he's got to get out. I know. And I, I was trying to think of this question through the lens of a parent because I don't have any kids and would I true, do I think that I could truly like boot my child out of the metaphorical nest? I don't know. I I mean, I think parents would like to think that they can, but I think the most important thing in my opinion for the parents in this case is you have to prepare for the conversation that's coming down the pipeline. You've already had this conversation 
And in my opinion, the conversation that happens next is if you really do cut him off and he blows through his savings in six months, are you going to keep tour? Are you going to keep to this? We're not helping him plan or are you going to help him? And if you are, who, what, like, how has that benefit anyone in this six month interim? Every time you think you have a financial problem with a family member, just realize that money has nothing to do with it, right? right? That, 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 that's sort of my theory. It's like, this has nothing to do with money. Like money is a resource that's involved in the conversation, but uh, it has nothing to do with money. I would also suggest this. He's 27. If you want to talk about the years, now th- this is going to sound very rude. You want to talk about the years wasted no retirement savings. And as you know, Kristen, age 22, 23, the most important years to save for retirement because that money will grow forever. As you talk to some of our younger callers and participants that that, that call your money line and, hey, money, do you feel like that's a, a, a something that people naturally know that 22 to 23 is the time to save for retirement? Or is that something you have to teach them? I definitely think it's something that has to be taught because life tends to happen several milestones at a time. And when you're starting a new job and maybe you have to get a new car and you might be living in a more expensive area than where you went to school, it's so easy to say, oh, well, I'm, I'll start my retirement later. And I think that that's a more common like the more common approach that people bring to us is, well, I'm, I'm going to get there. I will. And it's like, I believe you, but it might take longer than you think. And we can't compromise in respect to time. Now I am currently in a situation in which I'm not working out as much as I used to, because I've been very busy and I've made lots of excuses for myself, which is typically why I have to work out in the mornings. Cause every minute that ticks by in the day, the excuses pile on. Are you, I know you are a huge fitness freak. Do you like to work out in the morning or afternoons because of the same concept? I'm exactly the same way. If I put my workout off to the end of the day, which I'm doing 75 hard right now, so there's no excuse. You have to do it. But if I put my workout off, it's not going to happen. The queen of Texas always has some sort of like really intense regimen (laughs) she's going through. I I wish you guys knew her because uh, she loves to really challenge herself. And I'm talking about you like you're not here. Kristen, let's do this. Let's take a break. Coming back after the break, colleges are running up the tab on parents, parent plus loans. Is it a trend? Is it strategic? All that's next on the Pete the Planner show. I'm Pete the Planner. I like how I'm talking about you like you're not here. That you guys, nice. she loves to work out. <laughs> She's so smart. I almost brought up She's your fur fit. babies too. Oh, I'm trying to figure out the lighting situation in here because the problem is that when the sun is not behind the clouds, it's going to like blind me because it's coming right in my window. So Sounds like the queen of Texas isn't quite the queen of Texas yet. No, not so much. I don't know if you want to call yourself the queen of Texas now that I really think about it. I mean, that, there's a lot there. <laughs> That's a lot of pressure. What was the congressperson K? Well, you're not from Texas, so you wouldn't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, never mind. You can't be the queen of Texas. You're just basically the queen of Indiana who lives in Texas. Uh, yeah, well. <laughs> okay. Um, do, 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 do. I need to find that article. Here it is. All right, everybody. I want to pull it. I should probably pull it up because I was going to quote it and I should probably not misquote it. Yeah, that would not be ideal. Do, do, do. Yeah, Dame will be back next week. He, uh, he and his family went two different places. Kay Bailey Hutchinson. That's right, Danza. Uh, Kristen, you, of course, listen to the show and watch the show from time to time. You know the celebrity that is Danza DeLuna, a uh, listener of the of year. Of course. Absolutely. Yeah, of course, Jameson's all-time listener by the way, uh, all listener of the all time, Jameson in Texas. Um, okay, here we go. Ready to get started? Um, Nine twenty-three on this clock. Nine twenty-three. You guys are learning about how radio segments work uh, on this episode. You, you give me the ready to go sign. I don't know what okay. it is. I touch your eye, your left eye. I feel like I have to do, I feel like hook'em has to be like my new thing, right? That's a bit on the nose. I feel like if you did that, it'd be forced. Okay, touche. Didn't you go to Purdue? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you can do a hook'em if you went to Purdue. Boiler yeah. up, right? Yeah, but once you go to your first Longhorn game, it's just different. Was Matthew McConaughey there? 
I don't know if he's been there since we've been there. People act like he's there, though. All gas, no brakes. Every uh, game. All gas, no brakes. What does that mean? I'm an older fellow. It's something he said one oh. time. I think. Oh. Yeah, I'm so out of like pop culture. <laughs> oh, let me. I'll tell you this though. This morning, your coworker Oz, who's the greatest. Yes. She and I were slacking this morning, and I said something to the effect of "Real G's move in silence," and she said like lasagna, right, to complete the the Little Wayne line. And the fact that Oz knows Little Wayne lyrics has me tickled. <laughs> uh, and it was immediate. Like that's how good she is. That's fantastic. I did, I wouldn't have gotten it. Yeah. Well, you know, I didn't expect her to get it, but she did. Okay, right, three, two. One back on the Pete the Planner show during the break, talking Lil Wayne lyrics. I know that's gonna resonate with none of you. Okay, so uh, Kristen Alanius uh, uh, joins us from the Your Moneyline team, senior financial concierge, filling in for Damian Dunn, who's on vacation this week. Kristen, uh, you are actually our student loans are at Your Moneyline. You you are in many respects. There's an article this week that came out in I believe they call it the Wall Street Journal. How Baylor steered lower income parents to debt they couldn't afford. The Texas University and some other wealthy colleges guided families into no limit parent plus loans, leaving them with onerous payments. I will never get it all paid off, says one parent. Kristen, here's the thing. Some of the wealthiest U.S. colleges are steering parents towards these no-limit federal loans to cover the rising tuition costs, leaving many poor and middle-class families with debts they can't repay. So if you would, Kristen, can you help us understand the general funding mechanism of college? Uh, a student, <laughs> well, and I mean this way. Uh, sure. No money is saved. Mm-hmm. No money is saved. I, I, I'll say Ali is going to school. She's clearly not getting a scholarship. Uh, so, uh, what, what happens first? So ideally the parent and the student complete the FAFSA and then that determines what's called the expected family contribution. This is really complicated calculation that determines how much the government expects your family to pay for school. And then the school takes the cost of attendance, which is provided by them, which includes tuition, room and board, some miscellaneous fees and things. And they subtract that from what they expect your family to contribute. And then whatever that difference is first becomes available to the student in the form of need-based aid. If and then, But that caps pretty quickly. And then anything after that usually becomes the obligation of the parent once the student has used all of whatever aid is available to them. Um, and that's how parents fall into the trap of parent plus loans is there's a funding gap there between what's offered by the department of education, uh, for the student and the parent can pick up the remainder of that tab. So here, here's how I see it going down. Uh, tell me if I'm wrong, uh, as, as, as you should, uh, uh student goes to school, uh, they take on, uh, student loans, they cap out maybe sophomore, early junior year in order for the student to continue to go to school there, the school comes and says, all right, look, uh, you don't have a finished degree. You can't borrow any more money. Uh, Your parents are now going to have to borrow money and they can borrow an unlimited amount of money. And if they don't do it, you got to leave. That's more or less what happens. More or less, there's an annual limit for the student and an aggregate limit. So that could happen along the way as well. But yes, exactly. It's like you're standing at the bursar's office and they'll, they're going to drop all your child's classes unless you figure out a way to pay. And Parent PLUS loans fly in as this savior in this space. And a lot of the time, I don't think parents really understand the gravity of that decision, unfortunately. You know, a lot of times parents, uh, when they have nothing saved for college, we talk about this on this show all the time. uh, And you're like, well, we're going to have to borrow. What's it matter? What we're going to have to borrow anyway. We might as well borrow whatever we have to borrow. I see that happening, especially somewhere like Baylor, which is so incredibly expensive that the students' student loans cap hits so quickly Mm -hmm. that you're just guaranteed copious amounts of parent plus loans to the tune of, uh, in, in some cases, uh, th- this woman, uh, Trina Saverin, a 53-year-old public school administrator in Texas, says she owns 
owes 231,000 in federal student loans, of which at least $65,000 are Parent PLUS loans, uh, which came from sending her daughter to Baylor, and at least $74,000 in PLUS loans for her son's college costs and loans from her own 2015 master's degree, which were arguably also funded with PLUS loan program, the grad PLUS loans. Uh, Unlimited loans with the PLUS program because they assume parents who uh, have an income, job, and assets are good for it. Unfortunately, yes. That's wild. The other criticism within this article is that somewhere like Baylor um, it, it has one of the worst repayment rates for these types of federal loans among private schools with at least a $1 billion endowment. So the other issue with college costs is these schools have these giant endowments um, and Sometimes they are not used to curb the cost of college. Uh, and even if they are uh, based on tuition, if there's a huge default rate amongst that college or university, it can speak to something uh, much deeper. So, Kristen, I would put it to you, and you have to have the perfect answer. <laughs> what, what is a parent to do if they're in this situation? Is the, is, the, is the answer just don't go to a really expensive school? Yes. That's what I thought. I, <laughs> I'm, but see, I'm, I'm I'm trying really hard to check my bias because and let me be clear Baylor's just the placeholder here there are sure. so many schools that fall into this category and I have a problem with this across the board this is something I'm really passionate about so it was dangerous that you brought me on the show for this topic okay. um <laughs> but I mean I was looking I did some pre-show prep I told you before we started and hopefully I'm invited back hopefully that I don't you I don't can't get prep off for the show, show. this, this I prepped is for no. it. <laughs> But I wanted to know, because in my head, I was thinking, is Baylor worth the extra dollars? And in my head, immediately, I was like, no. And I'm like, well, is that true? Is that true if we look at the facts? And there are eight schools in Texas that Forbes ranks higher than Baylor. And of those eight, five costs less. So, (laughs) like, and they have higher median salaries. So, um, Baylor and AM actually both rank higher than, or I'm sorry, AM and UT rank higher than Baylor, and they are half the price. So this is fascinating, right? Because of, of course, there are certain degree programs possibly at of Baylor. Course. I'm just assuming, again, Baylor is the placeholder here. You were exactly right about that. There are certain degree programs at any institution, especially expensive institutions, where it can make sense. There's the connections, there's the network, there's the quality of uh, professorship, which is not a word. Um, But if you're a general studies, if you're going to find yourself and you don't know what you're going to do, if you're going to study something, even like an education degree where you know what your salary is going to be coming out, it makes close to no sense to go to a high price university. No. And the best part about the the way that Forbes ranks universities is that they actually show their 10-year median salary as well. And Baylor doesn't win there either. <laughs> Texas A&M, UT, Trinity, and Texas Tech all have a higher 10-year median than Baylor. Now, I know you're recently in Texas, but I believe Trinity right. is in the San Antonio area. Do you know that to be correct? I think that's true. It's private too, actually, and it's less expensive. So that was a good example too, because they're both private schools. Parents owe $103.6 billion in Parent PLUS loans, which Congress uncapped in the 90s. Taxpayers bear the losses if the loans aren't repaid. Defaults don't hurt colleges, which get the money up front. And that is another big issue is that the the colleges have uh, no skin in the game because they're getting paid up front. If if Baylor has a high default rate, what does Baylor really care? I don't know that they do. Uh, Do you think, okay, so to transition this conversation a hair, Obviously, there's a lot of talk about student loan forgiveness uh, in the last 18 months and not just public service loan forgiveness, but just general loan forgiveness. And let's for a moment say that that happens. Mm -hmm. I was more convinced it would happen within the last six months than I am sort of going forward. I don't know how you feel. Exactly. Uh, But let's say it happens. I'm not so convinced Parent PLUS loans are going to be at the top of that list. Or do you? I don't think so either. And... I think it's because to this point, Parent PLUS loans haven't really led the headlines. 
I think that that's kind of why we're seeing some of these changes in respect to PSLF is because even though slightly misleading, PSLF is just the headlines are horrible in respect to the program. And I think that that's why we finally saw some change. And for the most part, we don't hear that. Let's pick that conversation up after the break here on the Pete, the planner show talking student loans with the queen of Texas. All right. That's me cutting you off at the end there (laughs) in time to make the segment, but it works. Um, All right. Chris says this is probably something that should be more of a one-on-one conversation because there are so many variables to talk about. I do agree that anytime we attempt to give mass advice, uh, it's tough because there are so many variables. Like it, it is, it is virtually impossible to reasonably talk about something this big uh, without getting too deep into generalities. So you Absolutely. were right, Chris, about that. I, I do have to admit, though, there are some universities that just simply do not care. And it becomes really clear, like with that software that we're using now, how some colleges cost way more than they're worth. Um, the I don't are we do we say what that software is or no? Uh, yeah, go ahead. The, the, just that in the use of College Aid Pro, I mean, using that shows what it's going to cost and how long it's going to take to pay it off. I mean, six figures in Parent Plus loans spread out over twenty five years. That's half the median mortgage payment until you die. So I know there was not a McAllister's Deli in Yuma, Arizona, where you live, but is there one in no. Texas where you live? Um, honestly, I haven't looked. Seventy-five hard, um, yeah. but there's an abundance of places to eat, and every place has tacos. So I've momentarily forgotten about McAllister's. Yeah, I. When every time you're back in Indiana to the the headquarters here or your own home, I know that you seek yes. out the McAllisters. Okay, absolutely. So uh, here's what I recommend. Let's come back. Do you have further thoughts? You did a bunch of research. Do you have further thoughts on this? Because uh, then we can move on to the investing and debt question. What do you think? It's your um, call. You're in charge. Oh, I am. Yeah, I, I do like Jameson's comment about brand value. I think that's interesting. All right. Jameson says brand value. He said in quotes, and I can just see the finger air quotes that he was doing as he typed it uh, of college names is interesting. Baylor is one of those that carries cachet in Texas and just uh, don't see it when comparing real metrics like Kristen shared. I agree. Right. I mean, outside of Texas, uh, I, I think of Baylor and I think, ah, oh, it's a great school, but I don't think of Baylor as like uh, the Ivy league of the uh, of the state of Texas, right? I, Not really, you know, no. but I did talk about it a couple months ago. I went down to Texas Christian University, TCU, in Fort Worth, and it's incredible. I mean, it is. It's an incredible university, and and so now I think of it a little differently. I don't know, uh, Chris, and I have to shoot a television commercial on Monday uh, for the Indiana State five twenty nine plan. It's that time of year where I, nice. I shoot the holiday commercial, and I, I have to tell you a couple thoughts that are on my uh, on my mind. <laughs> Number one, on Monday of this past week, I'd realized that on Sunday, I had worn a hat backwards outside during my daughter's soccer game, which meant I had a half dome of a burn mark on my forehead, which I'm now has gone away uh, a week later. I'm very glad about that. Number two, my workouts have fallen off a little bit in the last month. And by a little bit, I mean, they have fallen off. And so now I'm very self-conscious about the ring of fat around my chin. (laughs) And I, I look like a like a Shakespearean character uh, of, of obesity. Number three, um, a couple years ago, they shot it against a green screen and, and unbeknownst to me, put me in a snow globe in post. You know, like they, I'm superimposed oh, inside no. of a snow globe and all these snows falling on me. And, and I didn't know this. I, I, I don't ask to see the commercials. I, I respectfully, I don't care. Right, I, I don't do my job. I, I don't need to see it. I'm not that much of a diva. My family and I were at a local Mexican restaurant, El Bordeo, 106 in Sciencesville Road. They have televisions. I am eating uh, tacos de carne asada, and I'm going to put the taco in my mouth. I look up on the telescreen, the television screen, and there is my bald head in a snow globe <laughs> on the television ahead of me, <laughs> and it was very uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable. Um, really quickly, I can do you one better because. Yes. Mr. Kristen has to get his new ID picture today. Okay. 
And two weeks ago at the Texas game, he burnt like a lobster. And because he is very pale and burnt like a lobster, didn't wear sunscreen, except that in his picture, he cannot have a beard, which he currently does. (gasps) So he. So he's going to be like white. (laughs) So I will see. I mean, he will see how bad it is. Um, But and they're not great. I mean, no one ever looks at their like driver's license or like a government ID. And they're like, that's a really good picture. So like maybe it won't be so bad. But in your personal life, do you call him Mr. Kristen? No. That'd be amazing. You really? Oh, Tom asks. Hi, Tom. Good to see you. Do you feel like part of the issue, by the way, speaking of driver's license, I think Tom uh, is a friend of mine, uh, posted a picture of his new driver's license the other day online. Wow. Looked like a, a serial killer. Uh, do you <laughs> feel like part of the issue is that grads who responsibly paid off their uh, expensive student loans are reluctant to let the generations that follow off the hook as punishment for not 529 in their college costs in pre-higher ed years? That's a fascinating question. What do you think? Okay, I want to read that again because that is fascinating. Do you feel like part of the issue is that grads who responsibly paid off their expensive student loans are reluctant to let the generations that follow off the hook as a punishment for not preparing? I, I feel like there's some of that, but I don't, I don't, I'm not a close the door behind me sort of guy. So I, I don't, are, is society in general? Yes. I think a lot of people feel that way. I think, and I have to check myself too, because like, just because, you know, I may have made certain decisions doesn't mean that other people were in a position to make similar decisions. Um, but I, I definitely, like we, I hear that from people. They're like, oh, I'm not paying for my kid's school. I paid for my school. And it's like, oh, so, <laughs> you know. I, 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 my thought is sort of along that track. It's like my parents paid for my education. So I I mean, Haley Joel Osment and, and uh, Kevin Spacey taught us you got to pay it forward, right? It's a movie, Pay It Forward with Kevin. Um, I'm paying it forward, right, by paying for my kids' college. So I'm curious. Uh, obviously, you don't have kids. You have fur kids, fur babies. Um, did you pay for their obedience school or did you make them take out uh, a loan? They Student have – so yeah, definitely paid for their obedience school, but they have rent here where we live. So wow. I told the oldest one that she's she's got to like let people take her on a walk or something. Like I did like that your excitement this week. We had a team meeting. We're just talking about like what's going on that's good in our lives, and you mentioned that you got to take them to your CrossFit uh, gym, and they were very excited by that. Yeah, we also learned that our oldest dog doesn't like other dogs named Odin. No, doesn't matter the breed, but named Odin, she's just not a fan. So. I've never met a dog named Odin. It must be a, a big thing now. Well, it's a Texas thing. You wouldn't get it, Pete. Oh, boy. Are you going to move to like every state and then just tell us like how embedded you are into that culture uh, over um, the coming years? I would love to do that, but I don't think Mr. Kristen's work. I don't think that I don't think it works that way when he's done with school. I think it's like a you stay put after this kind of thing. So I'm not clear on the qu- the answer. Are we going to go back to more college discussion when we start the show up again, or are we moving on? What do you think? I don't know. I mean, I, there's definitely enough content to go back to the college discussion, but are people tired of it? I don't Where know. Where would you begin the conversation? Where do you want to go with it? it I question? mean, I like I like the college thing, I but I'm biased, so. All right. I don't want to be in charge. <laughs> I don't want to be in charge. <laughs> Take <laughs> my stupid names on this. You know what? I, I got in the office early this morning and I was going to change the graphics to like scratch out Dame and have Kristen written over the top of it. And it was going to be like, hey, look at this. And then the effort that it would have taken to do that were just a little much for me. So, That's fair. I but I will that. tell you, Oz, our wonderful coworker, got back. To, oh, I got to go zoom in on this, everybody. Uh, so Costco uh, has this cold brew. Kirkland signature cold brew and it's got a little Jaguar on it. And, uh, we call, we named the uh, Jaguar Miguel. Nice. And so Oz and I are crazy about Miguel. He does great things for us. It's hundred percent Colombian cold brew coffee. Uh, and Miguel has been a big part of my day. Nice. Big I'm glad to hear day. it. Oh man. It's delicious. Okay. Where are we? Okay. Well, you know what? We're going to the investing question. Why? Cause this has been sitting in my inbox since September 17th. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Which isn't that bad. I mean, (laughs) truth be told, uh, here we go. In uh, three, two, 
one. Back on the Pete the Planner show, Queen of Texas joins us, Kristen Alanius, senior financial concierge at Your Money Line and Hey Money. Uh, returns to the show since the first time uh, since July of 2020. She told me that's how long it's been since she's been on the show. Hello, Kristen. Hello. Uh, okay. Dear Pete. Oh, it says, hi, Peter. Yeah, I think. Do you call me Pete or Peter, Kristen? Pete, for sure. Yeah, it, 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 like I, I don't care what people call me, but it is funny what people choose yes. to call me. I got home from work the other day, and Sarah, who my Mrs. Planner, uh, who calls me Peter all the time, called me Pete, and I was very confused. Sure, I felt like something was going on. Hi, Peter. I'm currently reading through your book, Your Money Life, Your Twenties, available where all good books are sold. I just finished a section on debt and found it very useful. I'm a recent college grad, paying off student loans and a car loan. The interest rates on both loans are relatively low, both under 2.5% and totaling just under 25,000 American dollars. I'm currently using the momentum method to pay off my debt. And by the way, for those that don't know, momentum method is where you pay minimum balance on all of your debts, except the lowest balance debt, and then you attack that one. And when that one is at a zero balance, then you hit the next lowest debt, as opposed to attacking the highest interest rate debt. Back to the email. The debate I'm having with myself is whether or not I should be investing in a Roth IRA while I am paying off these loans. I'm currently putting an extra $1,000 a month towards debt. So contributing to a Roth would effectively cut that amount in half. It's the opportunity cost of investing now versus being in debt for three more years than I have to be. Is there a uh, direction you tend to lean in these situations? Being so young with low interest rate debt, I'm thinking I might go ahead and start investing now. Thanks so much, Micah. What do you think, Queen of Texas? I think Micah should invest. I it sounds. I don't always say that because I don't always trust someone to have because it takes a certain level of discipline to be able to kind of balance. Um, but if you know you can't get that time back, and Micah has quite a bit of cash flow available, I think I think Micah has to open the Roth IRA. A hundred percent agree. And, and, and uh, let's look at a couple numbers here. Okay. Sure. Every once in a while, I do make this about numbers. Interest rate, 2.5%, Kristen, 2.5%. Yeah. It, unless Micah is a really, really risk adverse investor, the math is really hard to argue against. Well, let's say, and we're going to pick a rate of return. Like no one hold us to it. This isn't a matter of like, call me on Monday and I'll fix you up with a fixed rate. of <laughs> No, this is just, we're projecting a long-term 45 year rate of return. Long-term, I'm going to say 8%. Are you going to hang up and, and not be on the show anymore? Or are you okay with that? No, we're good. All right. 8%. And, uh, uh, historical numbers, uh, would tell us that that is, that is very feasible so much so that you could arguably get 8% from a 60-40 portfolio, 60% stocks, 40% bonds over a 45-year period, as opposed to a 100% stock portfolio, which will likely pay more than 8% annually. I digress. So what I like to do in these situations is to say, okay, what's your, rate, what's your interest rate? It's 2.5%. What would you likely be earning on the other side in terms of return? 8%. The spread between 8% and 2.5%, all things being considered, would lead you towards putting your money in something that could get you 8%, even though you're paying two and a half percent to do that. Yep. Absolutely. It's unless there's some mitigating circumstance that we're not aware of. Um, it's, I think it's really hard to argue against opening the Roth or funding a Roth. If he already has one. We talked earlier in the show about how the most important financial years of your life are your first financial years. The first time you have income is when you can make the biggest difference. And it, it really is just how math works, how compound interest works. Right. Um, that is why I consistently find myself cursing myself both under and over my breath from ages 22 to 28, because I was not as aggressive with my investing as I should have been, not in terms of what to invest in, but how much to invest. And that period, that six-year period, I, I, oh, I can't believe I'm going to say this. My net worth would be double what it is right now. Double. Why? Because that six-year period is another doubling period. 
right? The rule of 72. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get sick. <laughs> so we, I think this is also a, a great example of a, a, it's not an all or nothing situation. He, he can, he can do both. Absolutely. Uh, as his cash flow becomes more interesting, uh, as his income increases, uh, as he catches a break here, or there, as he gets a tax refund, then there's that mechanism to sort of you know, increase contributions and do those sorts of things. I, I will note, he does not make mention of a retirement plan at work. I'm curious what you think about that when you, when you see a young professional not even mention their uh, retirement plan at work, do you just assume they don't have one or do they assume they're dismissive of it? In this case, I almost want to say I think he's dismissive of it. Like, oh, well, I already I already have this just because he's asking a little bit more of an advanced or involved question in respect to his financial wellness. So I'd like to think that he's already taking advantage of that, but maybe not. Okay, so I find a Roth IRA to be probably one of the more uh, uh, flexible, um, beneficial investments there are out there because of the, how the different rules work with it. It yeah. is primarily meant for retirement. It will provide tax-free uh, withdrawals at retirement post 59 and a half. There's some other ways to get money out of it. A lot of ways to get money out of it prior to 59 and a half. Kristen, how do you balance when you talk to people on our, our line, how do you balance the flexibility of a Roth IRA with the importance of leaving it alone? <laughs> um, that's really tough because when people see this, I don't generally lead with the fact that it's flexible and I tend to not offer that up <laughs> as a rule because I think when we already have in our minds that a vehicle can be a safety net, a specific savings account, a Roth IRA, whatever it might be, I think you're just already more inclined to break that glass in case of emergency, even if it might not be. So I try really hard to not lead with that and instead lead with, you know, the Roth is, you know, let's look at both sides of this tax equation. You know, we don't know what taxes will be like. That's one of my biggest things is, you know, when I retire, I have no idea what taxes are going to be like. So maybe let's play both sides of this fence. Let's have some assets that are a little bit more under your control uh, for better or worse. Usually what I lead with. I felt like when you said that you were basically saying, Pete, I'm 20 years younger than you. <laughs> And that's why I'm going I'm not, to say it this way. I'm not 20 years younger than you. Not close enough. Closer to 20 <laughs> than it is 10. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. You know, it's interesting. Uh, anytime we give guidance or uh, I've given guidance in the last 20 some years, you do have to take into account human nature. And I think that's why we just do it differently around here. There's a lot of technical advice. But oh, yeah. for us, practical advice is so, so much better because we know if you tell someone, oh, you can take what you put out, you can take out what you put into a Roth IRA with no issues, they will and yep. it will hurt them. Absolutely. And your financial wellness doesn't happen in this like perfect vacuum either. So giving broad financial advice is kind of can sometimes be a dangerous thing anyway. And in this case, I'm more of an advocate for, hey, let's focus on the Roth IRA, but with a few different variables, that might not have been my answer. Chris and I, uh, since Kristen is here, by the way, uh, occasionally I'm just going to read glowing reviews of her from uh, your Moneyline users. This one came in on October 13th. Kristen has been wonderful the last few times I've reached out regarding refinancing our mortgage. Having access to her and others has really been invaluable as we navigate these big financial decisions. Thank you. Oh, it's, it never gets old, does it? No. And the people we work with are so great too. Like both of those reviews that you read, both stellar conversations because the participants are so awesome. I love it. All right. So let's do this. This is going to be the toughest part of the show. Dame's not here. We're doing Biggest Waste of Money of the Week. He usually does current events. This time, I'm going to read the current events, and you're going to make witty, funny comments that will entertain us all for months to come. Yeah. All that is next right here on the Pete the Planner Show. Special guest star, Queen of Texas, Kristen Alanius, joins us, senior financial concierge at Your Money Line. I'm Pete the Planner, and this is the show. I read all those things because I was just like, <laughs> killing time. Because <laughs> like, at first I was like, wait, I thought this was nine nine forty. Yeah, it was. It was just bad radio. Um, are any of our affiliates up where you grew up in India uh, in Indiana? Where did you grow up? 
Um, so the one Knox affiliate, right, is not that far from where I'm from. And I have family from there. We'll shout them out on the next segment. Will you tell your family you're doing this or is that not like a thing? Um, my mom will know because I usually talk to my mom before work. I'm one of those kids that like bugs mm. my mom every day. Nice. Um, so my mom will know, but I probably won't advertise it. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's okay. That's quite all right. Uh, I can't find the list. Oh, that's all right. Oz will probably slack it to me because that's how she does. But anyway, all right. I got to get ready for Biggest Waste of Money of the Week. <clears throat> okay, here we go. Oh my gosh, this is so nerve wracking. Now, now I'm now I'm missing Dame. Right, he does some <laughs> of the heavy lifting. <sighs> okay. Oh, can I tell a story? Of course. Kristen, are you a car gal? Sort of. In, More in, than in, my in, husband. <laughs> okay, so Mr. Kristen is not a car gal. No. Okay. And, and why do you call your, cause Dame is a car guy. We know this. Correct. Yes. So why um, would you consider yourself a car gal? Because I know like vehicles I want in like different like phases of my life. And I'm <laughs> more familiar with vehicles than most people are, I think. Um, but yeah, Mr. Kristen wouldn't know the difference between like a Toyota and a Tesla. Like wouldn't know. Okay. So I I'm more in line with Mr. Kristen in that regard. Like I, I, I like, I, I have a, a, a nice SUV, I, I, but I, I don't care. It's just like, I just don't, I, it's just fine. Right. Like not a, not a status thing for me, practical. So I go to my friend's house the other day to pick up my daughter from a boy girl party, which in itself, I was very nervous other than, of course I trust uh, the family. They're great. But middle school boys are not someone someone to mess with if you're a middle school girl because they're very right. smelly, right? Right. So I go to pick up my daughter at this party, but my buddy's like, hey, just come over early. We'll hang out. I was like, I'll be there. So my friend happens to have done well. Like, I mean, and, and, and I'm really underselling sort of his situation. Maybe we'll talk about that off the air. Deal. But anyway, I get there, uh, and my guy happens to be a car guy, like a pretty big car guy. And he yeah. gets there, he's like, hey, come with me. And, and this is one of my friends, and anytime he says, come with me, whatever happens next is magical. It just is. Like, this person is the sort of person that, like, whatever you're with this person, it's amazing. So I was like, okay. And we go, and he, and he opens this garage door. He has several different garages. And he opens this garage door, which I hadn't seen this one. And within there uh, is a Lamborghini. And he says to me, get in. And I'm like, no, 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 I don't want to get in. He's like, no, 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 get in. So I, I go and I get in the, the passenger. He's like, no, no, get in, get in the driver's side. I was like, I don't want to get in the driver's side. So I get in the driver's side. He's like, start it up. And I was like, okay, well, I, and I was like, I don't know how to do that. It's like, a, it's like <laughs> NASA. I'm like our friend, Jeremy, the pilot, who's always listening. So I didn't know what button to press. So he starts, he's like, just put your foot on the brake. It's like, okay. So it roars up and it sounds like Miguel on my uh, Costco cold brew can <laughs> is just firing up to start your day. And he's like, all right, all right, let's, let's go for a ride. And I'm like, no, 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 <laughs> no interest in this whatsoever. He's like, no, you got to. yeah, he's like, you got to. And I was like, I, I don't, I don't want to. So we go on like this three or four mile ride in his Lamborghini with me and driving. I loved it. I hated it. I hated every moment of it because the whole time I was doing the math, right? I was going, <laughs> if this goes poorly, I, I will work forever. Um, it was nerve wracking. And we got back to his house and I, I was like, Hey man, can you pull this in the garage? He's like, no, no, no. Cars are meant to be driven. Just go right ahead. And I was like, <laughs> what? So this is my, that's my story of not enjoying uh, would you like driving a Lamborghini? I'm an anxious person by nature, so okay. I would struggle, I think. Yeah. But yes. I, yeah. I, I did not. And I know Dame, uh, Dame was going to be, he's not heard the story because he's on vacation. I didn't want to bother him, but he has not heard the story. He will be freaking out because he would clearly want to drive it and then jump out and do Krav Maga on anyone. that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, we should start the show. Um, okay, 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 okay. Uh, so much going on. So much going on. Ready? Here we go. In three, two. This week's biggest waste of money of the week right here on the Pete the Planner Show is 
By the way, joining us this week, uh, special guest, Kristen Alanius, uh, the fine senior financial concierge at Your Money Line and Hey Money, sitting in for Damian Dunn, who is on vacation. The Rolls-Royce Cellaret Cigar and Whiskey Box is this week's biggest waste of money of the week. Rolls-Royce is now offering its ultra-luxury experience outside the doors of its iconic automobiles with the Cellaret Cigar and Whiskey Box. The Cellaret is made from polished aluminum and covered in Havana leather with a fold-up serving tray covered in obsidian Aos open-pour veneer inlaid with the Spirit of Ecstasy is also the name of my garage band in high school spirit of ecstasy underneath the tray is four hand-blown lowball glasses etched with the double r logo at one end is a cigar humidor lined in spanish cedarwood with a hygrometer and cigar cutter by st dupont paris at the other end is a case for storing the drink of the evening Kristen, if you were going to buy mr Kristen, a rolls royce Cellaret cigar and whiskey box that you're seeing pictured here on our live stream. What would you pay for? What would you be asked to pay for it? I'm so bad at this. Is it four digits? Uh, no. It's more than that? Yes, ma'am. Oh my, I don't even have a, is it 25? It is $55,000. Oh my God. $239. Now, the best part about this, of course, is how they got to 239 at the back right. end of 55000 seems like there's a story to it. But look, wow. it's a box that holds whiskey, glasses, and cigars. Kristen, if you're going to have whiskey and cigars, do you really need a $55,000 box? I mean, I don't think so. But every, I mean, I spend money on things that other people might not appreciate. So maybe I just don't get it. I don't know. I just want to know what all those things are now. But now <laughs> we are on to the news. Peter, what's in the news this week? For people who regularly listen to the show, they know that Damien does this part. So th we're switching up this week. This will be the roughest part of the show because I have to do his job. Let's see how hard it is to do. Well, Pete, traders phone up gambling helplines as game-like broker apps Spread this report from the Financial Times, FT.com. Helplines of gambling addiction recovery groups have been ringing with a new kind of caller, day traders. The rise of mobile brokerage applications outfitted with prompts, animations, rewards, and digital flourishes have brought the feel of investing platforms closer to online sports betting and gambling. The U.S. Security and Exchange Commission is now examining the extent to which brokers and investment advisors' digital engagement practices, including so-called gamification, assist or undermine small investors. A public comment period that closed on Friday drew more than 2,000 submissions. Kristen, is it surprising to you that uh, there are online traders who have gambling addictions? You, those were literally going to be my words. My words were going to be, is anyone surprised by this? Because I'm no, <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, we've been talking for two years how online gambling, online trading has morphed into this beast of bad habits. Uh, so this is not at all surprising. No, the gamification of investing. We saw this, like you said, two years ago, two plus years ago. Do you, you don't have to answer this, right? Uh, I used to day trade in college, right? I day traded all through college, occasionally went to class, uh, made a lot of money, uh, a lot of money by college kid standards, maybe not right. a lot of money in, in, in my life today. Um, and I thought it was great and it was fun. Uh, I, I don't really, well, I don't do that at all anymore. I don't actively trade. I do realize that sort of the modern version of what I've just described when I was 22 is probably cryptocurrency. I'm curious as you've grown to learn about money and of course be an expert in the financial world like you are today, what's been your experience with sort of the urge to do those sorts of things? Is that something you talk about? So I absolutely have one of the accounts that we talk about that we hate sure. so much yeah but but several years ago mr chris and i decided on an amount of money that i was going to put in the account and it was just its own thing and for me 
because I used to be an advisor and I'm not now we're in a counseling role. We don't, you know, we don't give investment advice. It was really more for me a way to stay in tune to the conversation a little bit, because when you step out of that world, it becomes really hard to just even have to be familiar in any way. So that's really what it was more about for me. And my friends, because I'm a millennial, love to ask me questions about my Robinhood account. And I'm just like, absolutely not. Like, that's not what we're here for. You you can do your own thing. Well, Damien's got a Robinhood account, too, for what it's worth. So I know. Uh, Jim Kramer launches the CNBC Investing Club with a focus on building long-term wealth. Uh, CNBC and Jim Cramer announced uh, a couple weeks ago that they're creating an investing club to help people build long-term wealth. And in the coming weeks, they'll start sending regular emails, letting you know, the consumer know what they're seeing in the market so they can make the, the, the investors can make smart decisions with their future. Kristen, when you think of long-term investing, I'm guessing Jim Cramer's the first name that comes to the top of the list. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, here's my thing. If someone is using a trading platform, most of them show you the analyst picks anyway. So why do I need that separately when I, a trader, not me specifically, but when you're looking at the app and you click on a a specific company, it tells you what the analyst reports are. Like, why do I need someone else to tell me that? It's already right there. Um, Because they're building a brand, Kristen. Well, building a good brand. luck to them. <laughs> Retail sales unexpectedly gain in September as consumers keep spending. Retail sales for the month of September increased 0.7% against the Dow Jones estimate for a decline of 0.2%, excluding auto-related sales. Compared to a year ago, sales, consumer spending was up 13.9%. Okay, so I'm going to ask you an impossible question. I want you to think back to how you were feeling in September of 2020 about the world, the economy, everything. Do you feel 14% better about the economy than you did September of 2020? And if so, do your feelings, are they reflected in your consumerism? So this is hard because when I was on the show last July, I think you asked me how I felt about like how worried I was about the economy. And I was like, I'm not because I think people, I felt like people were just still spending. Um, but my situation is very different from what it was. And I'm trying to not take that into consideration because I don't feel like I feel as confident, but I think maybe that's just because my life circumstances have changed a little bit. Because when I think about the people I know and the people around me, I don't know that 14% is fair, but I think that people feel like people that I know feel okay. Do you agree with that or no? I think no one's looking ahead at what could go wrong or what could go more right. That, that is to say, I think people are making decisions in isolation and they're spending pretty wildly. I, I, I think that continues from housing to cars. Um, but but this article goes on to really talk about how people are buying goods and there's not as many services. Like the service industry, people aren't just going to get a massage. You know, People aren't going to get their hair done all the time. And, and I'm never going to get my hair done. But it really is a goods-based economy and all the demand is in goods and demand for services have not picked up. That's really interesting. I feel like here it's the opposite. Like you can't get into anywhere if you think you want a massage or a haircut or, I mean, there's a huge waiting list, but I also know that we live in, I'm living in kind of a weird market too. So (laughs) queen of Texas, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) All right, Kristen. So uh, as we wrap up here, uh, let's not make it another year and three months uh, until we do this again. Okay. So you will, you'll join us again. We have not scared you off. Absolutely. Okay. Well, good. Maybe I'll just have to bring you on air and read all your positive uh, comments that people (laughs) leave about you. Uh, So it's with that, that I send you good vibes, my friend, Kristen, because good vibes are all that's in the budget. Dame is back next week. And yes, that is a threat to you, the listener. (laughs) Thanks everybody. It's Pete, the planner show. I'm Pete, the planner. There you go. Did that go fast or slow for you? I feel like that was quick. The whole show. Oh yeah. Really? Good. That means it went well. Yeah. I, um, well, the thing is, is I had, 
I had about 17 other thoughts on Baylor, though. So I was like <laughs> chom- chomping at the bit. <laughs> I will read this one uh, about Gail that came in. Your, your wonderful coworker, Gail. I saw this one. Uh, I was looking through your comments. Gail is, did I read this one on the radio the other day? I don't think I did. Gail has, cha- has cha- led a change in our lives in a matter of not even two months. She's easy to talk to because the conversation is always open, positive, helpful. She's just so darn smart. Since we started, we've made a pretty decent impact on our debt, and we've not feel for, we are not fearful for the future. I know it was a miracle she was the person who answered when I called. We are incredibly grateful to Gail, and here's to the future 1,000%. Come on. I love that. Open, positive, and helpful. That is literally gold star, Gail. It is open, positive, and helpful. I have to say the mechanism we've set up to get feedback on the work that you and your coworkers do is the greatest. And I, I know it comes to me, right? And, and, and the team gets to see it, but it is like my favorite part of what we do. Yeah, it's really nice. And I will also say one of the really fun things about getting the feedback is when someone's like, we're so happy that Kristen answered the phone or we're so happy that it was Damien. And it's like, I just want to tell people like, especially when it's about me. I'm like, you have no idea. Like everyone, everyone is like me or great. better than me. Everyone's great. Yeah, yeah it, is, it is funny. And I, again, I come through these comments all the time. It's never what you think uh, if from the outside perspective. It would never be what you think a financial counseling session comment would be like. It's, it's never um, about numbers. Like it's no. never about numbers. It, it's never about getting wealthy it's always something more qualitative and that's what I think is so great about it. Absolutely. Anyway, anything else you want to say? Oh, Dame just sent me a message. So Dame's watching right now. Um, Watch out, Damien. He says he would have absolutely driven the Lambo and he's not at all Uh, surprised that I had a four mile pucker experience. (laughs) Harsh. Right. All right. Well, my stomach's growling, which means Miguel needs some friends in my stomach. So I'm going to, I'm going to go, uh, Kristen, thank you very much. Tell Mr. Kristen, hello. And sorry about his beard picture. Um, and we'll see you here in Indianapolis in just, uh, a month, a month, a month month from today. Absolutely. We'll duck. All right. Thanks everybody. Stay getting money.